Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Product Led Podcast. Today, we have Dan Balkowski, founder and chief pricing officer of Product Tranquility. And Dan, why pricing? We were chatting about this uh, via our emails uh, beforehand, and this is the topic that you'd like to focus on. So, what's the deal with it, pretty much? Because <laughs> I know a lot of SaaS businesses, like I've encountered a few at least, that don't really do that much user research when it comes to their pricing. And I know that's a pretty big deal because you want to stay competitive, but, but also generate revenues. So you can't just slap some arbitrary number for your pricing. Yeah, well, uh, thank you for having me. First of all, Pierce, uh, it's great to be here and looking forward to our conversation. So why pricing? I've been in the technology space my entire career. Started out as an engineer into engineering management, product management, product strategy, product marketing, different levels of seniority, and was always fascinated, even when I was an engineer, by not only the how we were making the products, but how those products created value for customers and then dollars and cents for the business. That became a very big passion of mine. I went off and pursued an MBA during that time. I was very lucky. I found out much later that most MBA programs don't even have pricing courses. I was I was lucky. Mine did. And I took as many of them as I could and mm-hmm. found myself during my MBA internship working for a very successful Silicon Valley startup that was having a challenge trying to figure out if they should adopt a freemium model. And so that was one of the issues on the table of the CEO when I showed up and ended up being one of the major projects I worked on for that summer. So kind of got thrown into that world very quickly. And then after we went into the world of product management and product strategy, I, through a set of random circumstances, ended up having to do a lot of pricing work as part of my job, just because looking around the table, there was no one else who really had any sort of foundational background in it. So learned a lot along the way, made a lot of mistakes. And as I've founded my consulting practice about three years ago now, I found just major challenges, as you mentioned, in the B2B SaaS space with pricing. It's just one of these things that's not very structured in terms of people. You you can't go get a degree in pricing. And so the experience that people have is a lot of trial by error. And so I just happen to have that trial by error early enough in my career where I now am able to help companies. So it's amazing space in that it blends a lot of understanding of customer value, psychology, mm-hmm. finance aspects, where I get to bring together a lot of different worlds together at the same time. So it's been a very interesting area to work in. That's to put it mildly, sounds like was more of a roller coaster. Uh, <laughs> so getting back on the topic, what do people typically get wrong about pricing, especially in 2022? Yeah, when it comes to SaaS pricing, most executives think that what you charge will determine your success. In fact, who and how you charge determines your success. So, sorry, not to cut you off. So you're telling me it's going to depend on your target audience, their demographic and other stuff. Yeah, your target audience, what is it that they value? Mm -hmm. And how do you align your overall packaging to align with that value? So most folks, when I start talking to clients initially, or they come to me for a project, a lot of folks are very enamored or concerned about what I would call the price level. Should this be $10 a user or should it be $20 a user? It should be $19.95. And while those are interesting questions and they're fun questions, they're at the very end of the process and they're actually the least important. Okay. I did not think of it that way. 
That's nice. So what would be like the sweet spot? How would you define an effective price? Yeah, well, an effective price helps you as a business to capture fair value for the value that you deliver to customers. And in terms of a company's objectives, an effective price maximizes long-term profitability. That's really Mm -hmm. the goal. I see. So it's not one price fits all. How should people identify their optimal price strategy? I mean, is there like a specific number of steps or what would you advise? Yeah, well, it really depends on the company stage that you're at, right? Um, I often caution people, be wary what you learn from Fortune 500 companies because they're at a very different place in their company lifecycle than you are if you're a $5 million per year revenue Silicon Valley startup. When starting your company, you know, pricing is not your most important lever. You know, focus first on creating and delivering value, making sure you have mm-hmm. product, you know, product market fit, you know, but charge something. But it, it's one of those areas where you, know, you should be charging something because if you're just giving away your product for free, you think about value and price. Value is a positive emotion for customers mm-hmm. and price is the pain. They've actually done brain studies on this and prices activate our pain centers in our brain. So if you don't have customers going through that mental exercise, you're not necessarily getting good market feedback. So definitely charge something, but it's definitely not your most important lever to optimize. As I look at the entire pricing process, you know, in many ways, it mimics every other sort of research process you might go through. So prioritizing, what are the things that we're trying to get out of this? Is Where does this fall in terms of the overall potential impacts of the business versus other areas we can invest on? Discovery, what have we done so far? What's worked, what's not? Aligning the team on what the outcomes are. What are they trying to optimize? You know, Is it profit? Is it market share? Is it revenue? Is it gross margin? Then going into a research phase, going to your market, mm-hmm. potentially doing qualitative and quantitative aspects of market research there then testing and iteration, and then finally a decision and implementation. So if you think about those steps in a, you know, pricing is, is a process. It, all of your activities in your business, you can think of as a process. Everything is an input and output. So for, for this, you know, your, your output is your, your pricing and packaging approach mm-hmm. and strategy. You know, you should have a consistent process that you work through to get to that outcome. And we touch on a lot of different areas for pricing. The way I think about it is I've got a four-part model that I use with my clients. And it's four parts are your customer segments, the value, your competition, and your strategy. And those through no through pure luck ended up having the acronym SVCS or services. So it's my B2B SaaS services model for pricing. If you think about the first three, segments, value, and competition, it all starts with your customer segments. Why is that important? Because your market is not homogenous. Your customers value different things. This will cause them to value your particular product offering differently. And then those different customer segments will also have different competitive alternatives available to them. Mm -hmm. If you're straddling a wide range of different sizes of companies, for example, you might have low-end players or high-end players. You may be competing with uh, do-it-yourself, a status quo, many Software companies are actually competing with email and spreadsheets, not necessarily the startup down the road. If you think of those first three elements, segments, your value, and your competition, those mm-hmm. are sort of elements of the, the research process, those inputs that you then filter into your overall pricing strategy. Okay, given what we know, given the competition we have, the different value drivers a customer has, who do we decide who we're going to serve, mm-hmm. given where we're most suited to compete and win? How do we position ourselves so that customers understand that 
competitive differentiation and a unique value? And then how do we create our overall pricing and packaging to capture the strategic objectives that the company has? That's a lot lot to take in. You talked about value and it's basically the perception of what you offer. I mean, the positive feeling that your product offers towards your customer. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah. So, so the way I think about value is I take a very, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with jobs to be done, but I use the jobs to be done framework to understand customer value. So jobs uh-huh. to be done is a framework. Uh, I didn't invent it. Has many fathers, Clayton Christensen, famous for writing The Innovator's Dilemma, Tony Olwick, even all the way back to Ted Levitt, who he was the famous HBS professor who came up with the phrase, you know, customers don't want a quarter inch drill. They want a quarter inch hole. Jobs to be done helps us focus on why customers buy and focusing on the the outcome a customer is trying to achieve and the struggles they're facing. The trick in the jobs to be done process as it becomes to pricing is really to drive the discussion to a dollar sign. If you can't focus on financial value, any talk about value to the customer is just noise. Uh, You did in your question actually hint on a psychological aspect of value, which is important. And jobs to be done talks about that. So jobs to be done, really, we we talk about three different types of jobs. So there's functional jobs, what the task the customer is looking to achieve. There's emotional jobs broken into two subcategories. So personal jobs, some sort of a emotional outcome or benefit. So mm-hmm. less stress, more pride, might be any number of different emotional drivers, safety, and then uh, social jobs. So social jobs are, are those jobs that gives us status or, or help us feel like we're giving back to a community. So if I use the example of like booking an Airbnb, when I'm looking for a place to stay on vacation, I want to filter locations by price so I can find a place to meet my budget. That's a very functional job. Yeah. Personal emotional job might be, you know, when I'm booking a place to stay, I want to read reviews from past guests so I feel safe staying with this particular host. You know, and a social job might be I want to leave reviews for my fellow travelers so that I can help them avoid, you know, have a better trip than I did, right? Either avoid the place I stayed or giving them ideas on things to do, right? So that elevates my social status within that particular community. Today's episode is brought to you by productled.com. As the founder of the business, it is our mission at ProductLed to help you build a world-class product-led business. That is honestly what gets me excited. I want to help you. And that's one of the reasons why we are so committed to providing you a ton of free resources like this podcast to arm you with all the tools, strategies, and tactics you need to build and grow a successful product-led business. But sometimes just listening to podcasts, reading articles, and talking to colleagues about product-led growth doesn't quite cut it. It feels like you're just learning a bunch of random tactics that don't quite add up to a holistic strategy. Now, if you can relate, I'd highly recommend checking out our upcoming product-led growth program. In this program, we will actually help you master product-led growth, understand the holistic strategy behind it, and ultimately help you create a product experience that leaves your users wanting to come back for more and we will give you all the tools, templates, and feedback you need to make it happen. So if that's interesting to you, you can learn more and register at productled.com. And now let's get back to the episode. Can you like clarify what packaging is from the perspective of a software product? I mean, how could we put this into context for product-led businesses, SaaS companies? Yeah, absolutely. So with 
SaaS companies, I believe packaging comes down. Yeah, because often I, I work on pricing and packaging and everyone just, as I mentioned before, focuses immediately on the price. So should it be $10? Should it be $20? And they sort of don't understand packaging. So I think this is valuable for your listeners. I view packaging as it comes to SaaS in four different components. Mm-hmm. So there's the price metric. The price metric is the unit of value you charge your customer for. So in my SaaS product, I could charge by seat or by API transaction or by amount of data stored. You've got your pricing model, otherwise called a business model or monetization model. So this would be something like subscription, pay-as-you-go, mm-hmm. uh, freemium. Then there's your offer configurations or bundles. So these are often the the tiers, like a good, better, best that you see mm-hmm. where there's different bundles uh, sold to customers. And then you finally, you've got your price fences. A price fence is how do we charge two different customers different prices for the same product. So you see this all the time. If you go to a movie at you know noon during the middle of the week, you're probably going to pay less than you're going to pay at 7 p.m. because everyone wants to go to the movie at 7 p.m. And mm-hmm. only people who maybe are students or retired, right, who are, are more price sensitive can afford to go see the movie at the middle of the day, right? So price fences could be based on you know, the identity. So again, a student or senior citizen. Time, uh, often in like B2B, if you call up a company the last day of the quarter, you're likely to get a different discount than someone who is you know, calling a sales team when they're not under the gun to make their quota. And then finally, uh, one of the most common ones you see in, in B2B is the concept of volume. So if I go in and buy one seat of your product, mm-hmm. I'm going to pay a different price per seat than if I buy a thousand seats. And that's, so let's say, you know, theoretically, the product is the same, but just because I bought more in volume, I'm paying a different price for that product. So those are the four components. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, as it pertains to like product-led growth, you know, ultimately, good packaging is simple. It helps increase customers' ability to self-select into an offering, which increases the velocity of every sales opportunity. And this is important because the more time sales personnel spend on a deal, the more it increases your customer acquisition costs. So for a product-led growth company with a lot of volume and velocity, you want to make sure that your offering is clear, that customers understand what might be the best for them, so that you you don't need a salesperson walking them through a full menu of every possible you know, configuration. Some of these enterprise companies right, might have 50-page price lists. I've, I've talked to some of these companies. And good luck if you're a customer there trying to self-serve. Also, the good packaging can help you know, competitive comparison or differentiation. It can help yeah. or hinder, depending upon what your goal is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also, it will help communicate the value proposition of the product and, and help you justify the price that you charge. I can definitely imagine those companies that like really spend more time on their sales because you already do that like on top of doing a demo. So yeah, I gotcha. Who should be primarily responsible for pricing decisions? This is a great question. And it also changes by company stage and life cycle. Often at the beginning, founders are in charge. Yeah. And even in, as it goes to later stage companies, CEOs still are involved in pricing because it's such an important cross-functional metric and so critical to the business that they often are still involved in the process. Mm-hmm. I believe in large established companies, if you have a product marketing function, they should own pricing. The reason being is one, they're already usually either product management or product marketing are already in a mode to close to the customer, performing customer research, looking at product usage data, understanding the different business drivers internally the business. So they're in a good position already to take it on. One reason I would prefer product marketing over product management is that usually the chief product officer has got 
so many things on their plate that yeah. you know pricing it just requires you know such dedication when you're going to do a pricing project that it becomes their 53rd responsibility on their list and so it just falls off but i think product marketing you know they're still close to customer value and the messaging and promoting that value and value and price are, are intimately linked yeah. uh, ultimately all the parts of the business are stakeholders in pricing it's one of these areas that you know, my clients are not consistent to in terms of who i I deal with, at least initially, I mean, usually it ends up being the entire executive team. But as an entry point, the head of sales might come to me or the CEO or the head of product or the head of marketing. Mm-hmm. But you need to make sure that all those people are involved. And the way you do that is I recommend having a pricing committee, pricing committee with a clear designated leader. So making sure mm-hmm. because the, the because otherwise, if there's no one in charge, it's one of these areas where there's so many opinions in the building it'll get avoided or ignored because everyone's got a strong opinion on what should be done. And so unless you have a, a internal system set up, you know, much like we have product managers where product managers are, one of their core jobs is to make the uncomfortable decisions lest everyone you know, argue among all the internal yeah. stakeholders about what to do next. The product managers are there as a you know, primary purpose to sit there, listen to all that, including the needs of the customer, and given all that input, make the best decision for the business. And so, you know, whether it's product marketing or someone else, having a you know, pricing committee set up is important. I don't believe that like finance or sales should own pricing. I think they're important stakeholders and inputs into the process. But I think their incentives are misaligned for them to own it. Again, if the goal is sort of long-term company profitability, and they tend to be far from the customer in as much as you need, like the in-depth customer research. Obviously sales or people are talking, in sales leaders are talking to people and prospects every day, but it's not at a, you know, the, the depth of level needed to uh, run effective pricing. And so it really kind of falls outside of their core functional expertise. Okay, you really know your stuff. So with this pricing committee, there's going to be a leader for sure. How often should companies change their pricing? Because, yeah, if the deciding person has to listen to everything and they're, I don't want to say weak-willed, but they're easily convinced that the price should be like this, this amount, that amount, based on this kind of metric or whatever, that tends to change the pricing or make the pricing fluctuate quite a bit. So how often? would you recommend companies should change their pricing? It's a great question. I did see some data. I don't remember where it came from, where there was definitely a, at least correlation, whether or not that's causation is another factor, but at least correlation between how often companies changed something with their pricing and how fast they grew. So the best in class companies change something about their pricing every quarter. Mm -hmm. Now, there's obviously many companies are not doing that. And when I say, again, we're talking about pricing, I include pricing and packaging. So that could be introducing a new monetized add-on module or configuring, changing a new tier or looking and revising your discount strategy mm-hmm. or internal you know, deal desk policies. So there's a broad number of activities that isn't just constantly changing your end price on existing customers. Going back to what I said before, all conversations around price ultimately are tied to value. And mm-hmm. companies are constantly improving their products. You've got product managers and engineers who are shipping you know, daily, if not hourly, in some companies. So whenever you feel your product has changed enough, 
to merit revisiting pricing is probably a good time to do so. So often where people come to me or come to an external consultant, there's a couple of triggers. So one would be, are you attacking a new market segment that you haven't addressed before? Mm-hmm. Have you created a new set of functionality that might be sold as an add-on module or a new tier? Did you acquire another company and now you need to rationalize your pricing and packaging approach across multiple products? Because it was fine when it was one product, but now we've had two. And so it just confuses the go-to-market motion when we have uh, multiple mm-hmm. pricing and packaging. You know, so but generally I would say, you know, it makes sense to revisit it at least, you know, once a year or whenever a change in your product or market would necessitate a review. Yeah, that's a lot, but it only makes sense because you already encountered a lot of these. You've had um, multiple clients ask you about pricing and you're an expert on it. So just to summarize, what are two key takeaways that you'd like our listeners to get from this episode? I think there's two. So one is your know, price is merely how a buyer and seller divide value in a transaction. Mm-hmm. So really, any pricing exercise really fundamentally starts with understanding what is the value you create for your customers. And again, if you can drive, you need to drive that to a dollars and cents level with your customers, not just, hey, we have this problem. Can you fix this problem? But what will it do when we fix that problem for you? How will that impact your revenue, your costs, your profitability? Really driving to that dollars and cents conversation because then you have a concrete understanding of the value you created. Second is you know, pricing is a process. We talked about this before, but mm-hmm. it should be something that is at least at a minimum, we'll say at a, year, you know, a yearly revision, right? Because actually I, I've been starting to run into clients now. Inflation is a big topic. And I thought, you know, software because of the incredible gross margins in software that inflation would be, you know, it, software would be the last industry to get affected by inflation because overall the gross margins are just uh, incredible for those type of businesses versus if I'm selling, you know, deodorant or shampoo or hammers at the Home Depot. So the question now is like a lot of these companies are starting to look at, at inflation and they haven't changed price for maybe five, 10 years. And so now they're looking at this price change you know, versus, you know, so so they've got not only the current inflation conversation, but mm-hmm. also, you know, they've got catch up from all of the price changes that they've, they haven't done in the last, you know, five years or decade. So really starting to establish a pricing process, understanding like anything else in your business, this is going to be a, a regular thing that you should yeah. revisit and creating, you know, ownership and a methodical way to go about that. I love it. I've been meaning to ask you about inflation and how it would affect pricing, but I'm not exactly an expert on it. So maybe it's not, might be opening a can of worms there. But yeah, it's great that you brought that up because I've encountered other companies like that who are starting to wonder about uh, their pricing and then how do we account for inflation, especially if they haven't changed their pricing for how many years. So just to wrap up this episode, what is the best way for people to reach you? Should they want to consult or like to know your thoughts or would like to collaborate with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I love connecting with folks on LinkedIn. I'm Dan Balkowski on LinkedIn. So feel free to reach out to me there. Uh, Just let me know that you heard me on the podcast so I can separate it from all the other uh, spam. Uh, Happy to connect with listeners. And then also I I blog regularly on my website at producttranquility.com. So I've got a bunch of 
past podcast appearance episodes I've done there, as well as original blog content. So trying to help demystify this world of pricing for, for everyone else. So, you know, if you're a product manager or product marketer trying to do it on your own, you know, hopefully you can learn from the scars that I've accumulated over time and not make the same mistakes to get a little bit uh, easier of a path. Thank you so much, Dan. So thank you, everybody. That's another episode of the Product-Led Podcast. That was Dan Bolkowski, founder and chief pricing officer at Product Tranquility. And cohort registrations are still open. So if you'd like to know more about Product-Led, always feel free to visit productled.com. We'll be, we'll be happy to help you out. So this is Pierce, your community manager, and you have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Product-Led Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a colleague or friends you know who might benefit. We are always looking at which episodes get the most listens so we know which content to create more of. So if you want more of this particular type of content or style of episode, please share it out. And in return, here's your selfish reason to do this. Uh, we will definitely create more content just like this episode. And if that's not your style, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and tell us your favorite part about this podcast. I personally read every single one of these reviews and it gives me more ideas on what content we should do more of. Happy growing.